Hello, friends. Welcome to Tell Us More, a podcast from Lake Forest Church, all about the messages we hear each and every week, specifically at a Westlake location. Uh, thanks for joining us. We're glad that you're here. I'm your host, Nathan Story, and joining me this week are Cesar Guerrero and Aaron Gibson. Hey, guys. Hello. Good, good, good day to you all. Excited to be back on podcast. Okay, on a scale of one to like 10 million, how happy are you to see sunshine here in North Carolina? Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I wore my Chacos for the first time this winter two days ago on a walk. Amazing. Uh, It was really hot. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 80 degrees. I was doing a little uh, music production stuff yesterday for our, our next worship project, which is exciting. And... I went to leave and put my coat on, and I was like, what am I doing? It's 72 degrees outside. I love the graph that I've seen online every year for a few years now, every winter for a few years. Of um, It's like the schedule of, of the seasons in North Carolina, and right now I think we're in the middle of uh, fake spring. And then yeah. we'll have third winter in a couple weeks, and then real spring a few weeks after that. Yeah, I definitely got like weird nostalgia moments um, for this time last year when we had all that, all that time at home, just walking around and going on bike rides. I'm like, oh my goodness, it's it's that time of year again. It's coming. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I feel the I feel the anticipation. Uh, you know, I I feel the hope too. I, I it's funny. I remember, um, you know, we obviously a, a year of pandemic has taken a toll on all of us, but it's a. Uh, it's been particularly hard to be shut in during a lot of the rain and cold. So I, I felt yes. my soul starting to breathe deep again. I can't wait to be outside more. Um, I, I feel it coming. Yes. I particularly feel that too. And I felt like my, I've just been kind of like in this pit. Hey, speaking of pits, uh, this week, oh, we were talking about... look at that. there we go. Quit. How's oh, that for that's... a segue? I was totally scripted. Everyone Listen professional <laughs> podcaster right here. Professional oh, podcaster. So good. Uh, we were in a, a Where series were we? with the pit of despair. <laughs> yes. Don't even try to escape. <laughs> We're in a series with our churches called The Whole Story, where we go through the whole story of the Bible in one year. And we're we're still in Genesis. We're getting close to the end of Genesis, right? Uh, this is our last Genesis week, or it was. Is that right? Yeah. Next week we start Exodus. Yeah. yeah. So exciting things. We've been in Genesis all year. And the last story we talked about when Aaron preached for us is the story of Joseph. And what a story it is. Thrown into pits probably emotionally and physically <laughs> right yeah. and uh yeah what a crazy story up and down up and down oh, uh, unbelievable you know and if the make the folks who made all the lord of the rings movies got a hold of this story they there's enough there they could probably make eight movies out of the content in just these yes. 13 chapters of genesis that'd be fun well, you know what's interesting is is going through these old testament stories particularly these genesis stories i'm reminded of growing up as a church secretary's kid and <laughs> go as a homeschooled church secretary's kid and Whoa. going to uh work with my mom my sister and i shannon and and h uh, oh, hold on one second i mean people talk about pks pastor kids so that's an h-s-c-s-k Homeschooled yeah, like secretary kid. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Quite the acronym. Yeah. It, yeah, yes. it really is. So after after finishing 
our schoolwork for the day, we would always go to the church library because back in the day, churches had libraries, including uh, some VHS tapes of early Veggie Tales. So actually, this is probably pre-Veggie Tales at this point. But um, there were these really well done Old Testament movies. And I've been thinking about the Joseph one for a few weeks now because um, uh, because it's such an interesting story, but also because it was they were always like three or four VHS tapes. Uh, and and if, this is not a, a visual podcast, but I'm holding my hands out really wide. Yeah. <laughs> it, was this this big. it was this big. It was this big. Because they would try to put in, you know, chapters and chapters worth of stuff and make these really detailed movies. And, and I remember the Joseph one pretty well. It was it was long. <laughs> it was long. Yeah. Well, you know, it's kind of funny because I think I think the the Genesis author, uh, you, you know, is working with this material that obviously uh, was preserved uh, in this oral society, right? These are stories that were known before they were written down or collected or encoded, right? Yeah. And yeah. And, um, and and so the Genesis author is working with this material. And in a lot of ways, uh, Joseph's story is like the last third or, or at least the last 25% of Genesis. And it's kind of the, the climax. It's like everything in Genesis is building towards this. And, uh, and so you, it's really fun because you see all the themes carried through joseph's story and um it, it just really finishes the book of genesis with this powerful powerful example of this one person's life uh you know genesis started out with the whole universe the whole cosmos and then we narrowed down to a person abraham and then here's abraham's great grandson back uh, at the end and we're in egypt and all of a sudden we're going to go worldwide again the whole oh world God. is coming to Egypt. So it's kind of like you got yeah. these whole world bookends to this story. It's just so cool. That is really cool. And so, so Aaron, tell us your background with the story of Joseph. Is this the first time you've, you've preached on Joseph? Have you had much experience studying this story before? I have preached on Joseph hordes of times in little snippets. So, yeah. you know, when you're when a preacher uh, is working with Joseph's story, typically you're picking one example uh, because it's again as we've been saying they're so rich right we can talk about family dynamics and how he navigates that with his brothers and or we can talk about temptation and, and integrity and faithfulness and how joseph handles temptation in the so-called workplace although <laughs> let's remember he was a slave not right. an employee right um or or this kind of how does god speak to us and lead us vision stuff in the prisons those are all great servants and they should be preached but this is my first time trying to tackle the whole story uh, in one swoop. And I've got to tell you, uh, as a preacher, it, it felt like, almost felt like I'd bit off more than I could chew. It, it was yeah. quite daunting. Okay. What are the challenges that come from getting close to biting off more than more than you can chew? Like, what what are some of the pitfalls that you kind of have to skirt around? Well, you know, it's, it's kind of a... Uh, I, I think you run the risk of just skimming the surface too much, right? Mm. Uh, this yeah. is a story that wants us to live in it for a while. And so I've, I've loved that a lot of our folks have been doing the, the whole story reading plan. And mm -hmm. so if they did that, they actually were immersed in this story a lot more. I know a lot of our, our uh, groups, our, our, our Bible studies and our, our uh, other groups have been studying this as well. And so they probably got a, a little bit of a richer experience in that way. Mm -hmm. But honestly, anyone can sit and read this story. It's very accessible. And, and to just really imagine yourself. This this is a story for today. This is not just an ancient story. It's a it's a today story. Yeah. So do you um, like privilege the the person who hasn't been following 
with that, or do you kind of do you make any nods to to any anyone who's maybe following with the with the Bible journey reading plan? Um, to yeah, that, sure that that's a great question. Kind of being served. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, an old uh, an old preaching professor of mine when I was in grad school to become a pastor used to say, you know, um, uh, he he references the Jesus when he says uh, to the teachers, "You got to bring out treasures both new and old." Mm. Right, and so there's a sense in which every time I preach, I'm trying to make sure that the person that's the first time they're ever hearing this story, I want to make sure there's something uh, that's accessible to them. We might call that the bottom shelf. That to me doesn't mean anything bad. It just means, hey, this is kind of the entry level on the story. And if this is your first time, here's some things to notice. But uh, some others of us might might suffer a different kind of struggle. We might be too familiar with the story. And we Mm. think, oh yeah, I know this. This is that Sunday school lesson about don't sleep with your boss's wife right or whatever mm-hmm. uh, they probably didn't talk about that in sunday school yeah, yeah, anyway, oh, yeah. No. <laughs> that didn't make it into the vhs tape didn't make it they did detail. they did actually oh, and it really kind of blew my mind and, and freaked go. me out at the same time yeah, yeah especially for an hscs kit k yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. no no joke but uh you know i think so i think you've always as a preacher you've got to offer both but but the real truth is it, it's not actually what the preacher says. It really is what the Holy Spirit speaks, right? There, there's just a sense in which for every listener on a Sunday, if they come with hearts ready to hear from God, as we open God's word, the, the, the every week miracle is that God's Holy Spirit illuminates his word to us. And sometimes it's something that I didn't even say, but just something <laughs> that, you know, so I, I think uh, there's a lot going on in sermons. So a lot happens in that that 30 minute block yeah well i'm fascinated by uh kind of the repetition in joseph's story you know we, we talk uh, a good bit and have on the show and, and in sermons about how the whole story really has these repeating themes if you look at old testament and you look at some of the um kind of revisiting of the creation story like after noah like all these things that kind of pop back up and then we'll get to eventually Old Testament things and themes popping up in the New Testament when Jesus comes. But I, I almost see Joseph's story as a little bit of a microcosm of what the whole Bible does and that it kind of repeats. There's these movements um, in the, the the narrative that are just kind of trying to hammer home all of these things. And one of the things, I'm actually in a Bible study right now that we've been talking about Joseph, so it's been cool to get a deep dive on this one story for a few weeks apart from the whole story that we're getting on Sunday mornings and beyond. But um, you know, one of the things we mentioned this morning in, in the Bible study actually was was how often the author of this story um, tells us that the Lord was with Joseph. And he says it over and over and over again, mm-hmm. almost to remind the reader that even in the pit, right, even in the darkest points of our lives, the Lord is there. Yeah. What do you make that? Is that is that kind of the, the moral of the story for Joseph, that the Lord is with us regardless of where we are physically? Oh, I think absolutely. In fact, I, you know, I, I don't know if I was successful in drawing attention to this, but uh, on Sunday we shared this kind of um, up and down graph. It, it looks yeah. almost like a roller coaster, right? That is Joseph's life. And, and I tried to make the point that I think the Bible's suggesting that's the life of faith for all of us. Mm. All of us have up and down lives. But what's so interesting is whenever that phrase appears in Genesis, but the Lord was with Joseph, but the yes. Lord was with Joseph. Whenever that phrase appears, it's always in his low moments. Yeah. Now, I don't 
I'm not suggesting that God's not with us in the high moments. I think he is. Yeah. Um, but, but the text is trying to help us see, hey, just because the circumstances are dire or just because it looks like God has abandoned Joseph, don't be fooled. God is with Joseph still. Yeah. And, and that seems to be a, a, a vital part of his, his story. Yeah, absolutely. And, and something that we can be encouraged by to, to, to hear and to know, right, that, that despite what's happening around us, God uh, is still faithful and still good. One of the most interesting things that I've kind of noticed in, in studying some of, of Joseph's story here lately is, is also, you know, uh, nothing that happens to Joseph that's bad is his doing. Yeah, he he doesn't make any choice necessarily that affects his outcome. It's always these outward circumstances that get piled onto him. Yeah, um, that kind of put him in these dire dire situations, and and I thought that was really interesting too. Yeah, that's so good, Nathan. Yes, you know, scholars will talk about the only thing that we see that Joseph clearly does that if it's not sinful, it's at least just stupid. Yeah. <laughs> uh, is when he goes and boasts about these dreams, but yeah, you know, yeah, the, yeah. The thing is, the thing is, and and this is what you know, kind of the in in Hebrew. This is a little nerdy thing, but in Hebrew, when you want to emphasize something, you know, we we have um, in in our language, we we'll say we'll use the word literally. Well, it was literally, and then somehow that adds weight to it, or or we'll yeah. say it was very, or it was so. Um, and the Hebrew language doesn't have that. So if you mm -hmm. want to emphasize something, you, you have the word appear twice. It yeah. was, it was big, big, or it was red, red. And yeah. if you say red twice, and that means it was really red. It's really red. <laughs> and, and so what, what he, what the scholars will point out about the dreams in this, and Joseph actually kind of calls attention to this with mm -hmm. Pharaoh, but in each of the cases, there are not, there's not just one dream. There are two dreams. Yeah. And the fact that it's these pairings of dreams, uh, the scholars will point out, that's to let the reader know this was not Joseph imagining stuff. Right. This, these were dreams that were from the Lord. And so, you know, even that, you kind of feel like, well, did Joseph really mess up? I mean, maybe he was naive in telling his brothers these dreams. That was kind of foolish. But yeah. to your point, I don't think he did anything wrong. I mean, he was just kind of foolish. Yeah, yeah. And perhaps even... Well, speaking of foolish and fast forwarding a little bit in Joseph's story, the you know we were talking a good bit too in, in Bible study about um, like how to run from temptation, and it, it does say that Joseph was. It's it's so all this to say, it seems like Joseph is, Joseph is actually a, a fairly smart guy. He makes mistakes, right? Like you mentioned, but yeah. he he seems like a pretty smart guy because it talks about he tries to he's trying to avoid Potiphar's wife. Like he actually tried to not be in the same room with her, which how many, how many, how often do we hear, um, you know, kind of protective philosophy about being in leadership and stuff and not putting yourself in temptation. You kind of see the seeds of that in Joseph because it says he's like, but can you imagine how difficult that is? You're just avoiding your boss's wife all the time. <laughs> yeah, how, yeah. how hard is that to get your job done? Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, he is, he's quite astute. And um, I think what the text shows is that clearly, he was born for leadership, uh, and we see that with Joseph. From from day one, he was yeah. he, God. God gifted him this way. God wired him that way. And and when he gets to Pharaoh, and Pharaoh has the dreams, and and he's brought in, you know, it's really interesting. He 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 gives God the credit. He says, "Look, I 
no no human being i can't interpret these dreams but i right. know i know the god who can yeah and so then then he gives the dreams but he doesn't stop there this is so um risky he says after he interprets the dreams he says you know what pharaoh here's what you should do <laughs> and he yeah. actually advises pharaoh and and you see it's his sales pitch He's saying, here's what you should do. You should find someone, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, who's very wise, wink, wink, nudge, <laughs> nudge, and put them in charge. I mean, he's pitching himself. And uh, and that's pretty bold. And and the, the this text seems to celebrate that, you know? It's, it's really kind of interesting. Yeah, well, you know, that, that's interesting, too. So going back to the beginning of his story um, and his boldness, you know, I wonder if he struggled at all with arrogance. I wonder if there was a time in his life where where he he did have that because he he knew the Lord was with him and we never hear him crying out oh God why have you forsaken me right he had kind of has this either spoken or unspoken faith throughout his his ups and downs yeah um, practiced faith for sure right pra- yes yeah whether it's spoken or not he's practicing it he's living it but he's almost struck me as an arrogance and perhaps perhaps he's had arrogance by proxy with his father because I I found myself wondering about um his dad (laughs) who basically paraded around his favorite son in front of his brothers (laughs) yeah yeah and trusted him to go and if you look at the the point before um joseph is is wherever he is in in uh the, the country uh to where his brothers were said to have been is something like 60 miles or something yeah, like yeah. that. So he was yeah. a young man whose dad said, hey, go wear this beautiful coat and go walk 60 miles to your brothers by yourself. Yeah. I mean, there's some arrogance on his father's part too. Like, this is my favorite son. I don't care what the, my other sons think about the fact that I'm showing favoritism. And so yeah. Joseph, it seems like Joseph's like, yeah, all right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like he doesn't—he doesn't know any better. He's kind of—he's almost clueless to it, right? But yeah, so some arrogance I mean, or naivety, maybe. Yeah, interesting. Well, it's—it's it's so funny because you know we've—we've we've talked about this a lot. I think if there's any big takeaway so far, uh, on on kind of the meta level, how to read the Bible, yeah. I think th- I hope that this is being this is bre- uh, kind of fresh air for people who grew up uh, maybe in a church where you know. You were you you were supposed to t- only touch the scriptures with your your special white gloves on or something like that, you know. Yeah, yeah. And because I think what what we've been really seeing is the Bible's not to be read as a story of heroes. These are not heroes to be emulated, right? Mm. Um. And so of course Jacob has messed his family up. I mean, yeah. That it's it's really really real there you go i said yeah. real three mm-hmm. times there you go so that's really really real, real. <laughs> literally really real and and what's hopeful to me in that is that well those are our families too right that's my family that's mm. i don't want to speak for your family that's a lot of families i know yeah <laughs> and so because it's so earthy and real we i think we are better able to engage it joseph is actually the first person since enoch i don't know if you remember enoch at the very beginning uh yeah. enoch was apparently just really close with God and God decided to take him up and Enoch never had to die. I have no idea what that means. Good luck. The scholars, no, no shortage of ink spilled over that passage. Yeah. But, but we get to Joseph and it's the first time we see a person whose behavior is, is slightly exemplary. I mean, it's, Hmm. it's like, okay, I might be able to model this a little bit. Mm -hmm. And, and so that, 
that's kind of unique for him in the larger story of Genesis. But on the whole, on the whole, when we don't feel this pressure, be like, oh, David's this great Bible character. I'm supposed to emulate him. Well, be be careful, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm kind of just kind of discovering this this parallel in my mind is uh, just thinking about how to read the Bible and um, you know figuring out what to do with these repetitions and that kind of thing. Is is there any kind of parallel or or a reminder that God gives us in Job that we see in Joseph? Huh. Interesting. Because Job is this yeah. kind of guy whose life just kind of gets turned upside down over and over and over again and there's a little yeah. bit different because we have um we have most of job's story actually is or job's book in the bible i should say is is just a long conversation yeah 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 <laughs> which is kind of interesting but the beginning and the end you know we see um god actually talking with the devil and and trying to get the devil to recognize this kind of exemplary person as we're talking like similar yeah, to yeah. joseph right and saying well, right. if i test him over and over again you'll see that he is actually good is there there's kind of there's a little bit of similar ground there right well i love you know I, we opened on sunday with this concept that i just think is so pivotal for reading the the text the way it wants to be read which is uh our, our listeners if, if you didn't hear on sunday this would be worth the price of admission. Just go and listen to the first few minutes when we talk about the upper story and the lower story. Yes. Because those understanding that there are always in, in the Bible, there are always two storylines going on. The upper story is of course, God's story, the, the meta story. It's, it's his purposes. It's his intention to bring all of creation to the, to the resolution that he wants to bring it to where he's going to mm -hmm. redeem it and restore it. That's the upper story. The lower story is the human story. That's the characters that are, you know, the nitty gritty of that. And so, Nathan, you bring up Job, but Job is one of those times where the curtain gets pulled back and we actually get to see both of those stories simultaneously, right? There's actually two different theaters in which that's happening. Yeah. There's this court, there's this courtroom theater that begins the book of Job. And then we drop down to the lower, and that's the upper story. And then we drop down to the lower story and we hang out at the lower story for about the rest of the book. And then at the very end, Yahweh comes and meets Job and the two stories come together and you're like, Wah! so, I mean, it's, you're, I think you're onto something calling out the book of Job. Um, it, it really does. If anything, it highlights the two stories, the upper and lower story we were talking about with Joseph's life. Yeah. Really, really fascinating. Yeah, it's just a little bit of a creative tangent, but I'm I'm suddenly thinking of Frank Capra's "It's a Wonderful Life," and I'm wondering if he had any kind of uh, inspiration from the Book of Job in that, because you have this beginning where these angels are talking about this guy who really needs help, and then like I, I every time I watch that movie at Christmas, I think about how I forget that Clarence, the angel that comes to help George, is a thing. You get so engaged in George's life that all of a sudden oh yeah this is about angels <laughs> and it's gonna take this really weird surreal turn for a little bit and have a really i mean it's really ham-fisted moral of the story at the end but like it it's almost job like in that way sorry for that but i just had this connectedness this light bulb moment yeah oh i, I love it well i wanted to ask you guys a question because you know as i was yeah i think the big takeaway for me in all this was this idea that okay two stories are going on and the hard thing for me is when I'm in 
one of those low points in life, when I'm in one of the pits or, or difficult moments, to, to how do I hold on to, how, how do mm-hmm. I remember that God, not only is God with me, but he is, there is something he's working out. And, um, you know, I was reflecting on my own life and, uh, and, and quite honestly, uh, the, the times when I have, my faith has grown the most has always been in those low moments. Mm. I mean, I've had some great mountaintop moments in my life, but if, if I'm really honest, as I reflect on my story, God has used the low moments of my life to, to shape me and form me more than he has used the high moments. Does that make sense? Mm. And I was just curious if you guys found that to be true in, in, in your life of faith. Um, and while you think about that, I'll say one last thing. It's not without coincidence. Uh, this, this week, literally the day after uh, I preached on this, was the uh, ninth anniversary of when my wife went into the hospital when we were still living in California and mm. she was facing a, facing a life-threatening illness. And uh, it was just wild to reflect on that again, how God used that in our lives to, to redirect us, to, to shape us and to grow us. Um, I wouldn't wish that suffering on anyone, yeah. but I also wouldn't trade what God did through that for anything, if that makes sense. Yeah. What's, it's just so interesting. This has been a, um, this is all very timely for me personally. I won't get too much into it, but I've just felt the Lord kind of teaching me that very lesson here in my, just in my, my own life in the last few weeks. And, and, uh, I was telling my wife this morning that I feel like there's all these little taps on the shoulder when I feel overwhelmed or stressed by something that I'm, I'm sure God does when I'm, when I'm on a mountaintop or feeling good, but I, I just tend to notice them more when I'm feeling low or struggling with something or whatever it is. And so I, I think you're absolutely right, Aaron. I, I see that evidenced in my life. And one of those little like, kind of tap on the shoulder moments I experienced last night, I was scrolling through TikTok of all places. And TikTok is actually a pretty wonderfully positive place. It, it, I think it rede- has redeemed social media for me in a little bit. There's a, a huge, um, I would say healthy um, Christian and uh, community on TikTok of people preaching, people talking about scripture, people like it's I, it's it's unreal in a way. It's 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 it just tells me I think that the world is a little hungry for it. But uh, all of that to say, I came across this one post of someone just had overdubbed some pastor, and and the pastor was saying I don't even know who it was because on TikTok you do this thing where you remove the audio and you can see a video but yeah you don't need to know about all that but um I didn't know who it was but the the voiceover this pastor was saying that perhaps God uh, you know isn't the one that which we go through trials right we so back up a little bit we go through trials we can we can be frustrated we have a couple of options right we can be frustrated that God has brought us to this hard thing and that's one response we can have but this pastor's point was maybe God isn't the one that uh, cause this thing to happen to where he is he's worthy of our frustration, right? But he has actually trusted you with this situation. And that was a phrase that I found really, really interesting. God has not caused this bad thing or this hard thing to happen, but what God has done is he has trusted you with this hard situation. And that was a huge kind of, again, light bulb moment for me. We're like, wow. And the point then went on to say, like, because... Um, and we've said this before, I bring up this, this passage of scripture all the time. As James says, you know, we are to consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds because trials uh, develop perseverance within you. 
which kind of have to finish its work for you to become full in Christ Jesus, to be who God wants us to be. But that idea of God trusting us to, because of our character, because of our experience, you know, whatever the reason is that God would do that, uh, is for a reason and, and is to mold us and shape us and, and form us and to, to, you know, to kind of bring out that character in us that he's, he's shaping. So all that to say, I know I'm being a little long winded here. Um, I think you're absolutely right, Aaron. I, I feel that way too uh, in, in the pits and the low points of life that God really moves us towards kind of where he wants us to be and, and grows our faith in those moments. Hard as they are, as, as you know, as terrible as they can be to go through. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, it's interesting. You know, the, 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 again, the story of Joseph does not answer the question that, um, does God cause these things? It, yeah, yeah. The, the the author of Genesis is just taking for granted that this kind of stuff happens in a broken world. Um, yeah, and and it and it really, you know, what the author of Genesis is saying is, look, uh, human beings took matters into their own hands and decided to live according to their own wisdom rather than God's wisdom, and the result of that is a lot of family strife. Yeah, <laughs> and so. <laughs> And, and and it just takes that for and a lot of nation strife and a lot of world strife and so it just takes for granted that that's part of life and but what the what the story of Genesis is saying is but that doesn't mean that God has peaced out and gone to you know gone to the Caribbean for vacation or something he is right. actually still engaged but in a lot of ways behind the scenes that we might miss if we aren't paying attention he's yeah. still working. And even though all these bad things, I mean, if anything, the story of Joseph says these bad things were caused by the brothers. Yep. They were caused by Mrs. Potiphar, right? <laughs> uh, that, I mean, these are the these are the causes, but yep. God isn't going to be ruled by human causes. He, yep. he is greater than that. And uh, that's really what it means that God's sovereign. It doesn't yeah. mean that every little thing is caused by him, but he can take all of those things that other people or other things cost and he can yet weave it all together, work something good out of that. That's, that's incredible to me. Yeah. But God was with him, but God was with him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's a, that's a hard question to wrestle with. Right. And that only gets more complicated. If you look farther, like at Job, like you're like, God, what, what you just kind of, did you just kind of move out of the doorway for a second? You know, it's it's really complicated and, and perhaps can create even more questions. But I think you're right, Aaron. I think we can definitely see that, you know, God can use these things for good. Absolutely. And, and you know, and I would want I would want you guys to know this. I, I'd want our listeners to know this, too. I, I think it's this is where we started. We start to tap into the mystical part of our faith. Yeah. Christianity is not merely a, a life philosophy or a way of thinking about the mm-hmm. world. There's a spiritual reality and, and that is, there's, there's something to that. And so for, for, I think what the story of Joseph invites us to do then is say, okay, in what way is God with me right now, whatever mm-hmm. I'm facing it, in what way it, can I experience him as with me? And, rather than staying in the philosophical okay why is all this good stuff bad stuff happening i mean those are important conversations but the story of joseph invites us at least those who are trying to follow jesus or or desire to follow jesus it invites us to reflect on that question 
in what way is God with me right now? And, and if I was to pay attention to that, how might that change my, how I engage in my circumstances and these challenges I'm facing? Yeah, and I love that as kind of your your charge to us at the end of your sermon, Aaron. I believe, and I'll probably be paraphrasing here, but how would you, how would we behave or how would we act if we knew all the time that God was with us? And of course, yeah. the subtext there is that we believe God is with us all the time. So how does that change how we we live our lives? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you think about uh, you think about anxiety, right? Just and which mm. I've I've got, I've shared publicly. You know, that's. Uh, kind of just a low-level general anxiety, or what they would call general anxiety disorder, something that is is common in my in my DNA and in my family, and I've I've battled that in different ways in my life. Uh, and how how would that change? How would my stress? How would my anxiety? How would my worries? My fears? How would those things change? Uh, or how might I respond differently to them mm. if I really if I really was aware that God was with me? That's yeah. a powerful question. Absolutely. Well, friends, we hope you are encouraged today by the story of Joseph as we are, as we wrestle and as we chew it over and discuss it. Um, I want to thank Aaron and Caesar for being a part of that discussion today. Thank you, guys. Um, friends, we're just getting started. There are a lot more really interesting stories to come. We hope you stick with us on Sunday mornings online or in person and, of course, here on Tell Us More here on the podcast so that's all the time we have for this week i hope you join us next week for more tell us more goodbye